0: Before we begin this episode, I have a quick announcement. I've been hinting on the podcast for a few weeks now that we have a new product coming, and it's finally here. I have been working in collaboration with my lawyer, Christy Lockmiller, who I absolutely love to bring you a graphic design contract Template! This template is thorough, drafted by my lawyer, used by me, peer-reviewed. I literally used this template twice today for two different clients on two completely different projects, and I was able to tweak it and take things out I didn't need, leave things in I needed, and I felt super great about it. Yes, hiring your own lawyer is the best option, but sometimes that's just not financially possible. So this contract template is meant to be an affordable option that's a step up from scouring the internet and panic Googling what should I have in my design contract. In celebration of the launch of this contract template, I'm going to be having a huge flash sale two-day only. If you head to designbeatpodcast.com contract and enter in the code FLASH SALE at checkout, you're going to get the template for $25 at that price you might as well buy now use it later or even just buy it to compare to your existing contract to see if there's anything you might want to add again that's designbeatpodcast.com slash contract code flash sale and that's valid today only until midnight wednesday september 22nd 2021 tell your friends and enjoy our interview with eva hey i'm lauren i'm steph and this is design beat Hello, Lauren here, and you're listening to Design Beat, where we share the stories of creative women who dance to the beat of their own drum. We hope you come away uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. Today we're talking with UX designer Eva Chow. Eva actually studied oil painting in college and graduated with a graphic design degree. She did some print design working on paper products, fell into web design, and now she's working as a UX designer in software. Eva is our first UX designer on the podcast, so she gives us a little intro into UX, what she does on a day-to-day basis, and the challenges she faces on the job. Here's Eva. Eva,
1: thank you for coming on. We're so excited. See, I haven't talked to you in years. I don't even know the last time I saw you. Oh, it was at (laughs) dinner. Yeah. Okay, so we always like to to ask, what is your favorite work snack?
2: Work snack, so mm-hmm. must be during work hours. What I'm snacking on? <laughs> <laughs> While Luna like bars,
1: three, Luna bars? It's Luna just bars. anything
2: that I see in sight, really, because <laughs> I need that fuel to get get me going. So anything yeah. in sight, but lately it's been Luna Luna bars. They're great. The lemon Luna one, bars. so good. Yeah. yeah. I also get hungry, oh. so I feel like this is like industrial grade snacking. It's not like one bite <laughs> or two; it's the whole bar. Oh so, yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't think I, I could that. eat a bar one bite at a time. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I have one bite at a time, but I can't like take a bite and then stop.
2: You do the whole thing. It's a commitment. It's not like just gentle snacking. It's all like, oh, let me put away this tiny little bag of popcorn and whatever. It's like
3: yeah, no bar. Let's bring go.
1: the bag with yeah. me. I have the problem of buying the it's like the boom chicka pop. It's like the 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 oh, yeah. Orange. You can never get I bring the stuff. whole bag into my office. That's what I was Costco? thinking of
3: when you said that.
2: Costco size <laughs> or
3: normal size?
2: Like, yeah, Costco. Like or... the big
3: Costco size. Target. Like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, like bigger than my toddler, right? Like, yeah, you need self-control. Can't get enough I of feel that, that popcorn. popcorn. I feel, oh my gosh, it's so good. I get that though. I'm always snacking. Okay, um, <laughs> what is here? <laughs> What would you say is your number one creative tool? My brain. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> oh, I love that. Good answer. Yeah, I,
2: I mean, to be honest, like this is the kind of questions I'm like, yeah, what, what, what is my immediate answer? I'm curious too, and then it was kind of interesting when I said my brain because I think now, nowadays a lot of the things I do really does not immediately turn into, oh, let's get on the computer and do stuff. It's like immediately, mm-hmm. what's my solution to this problem but anyway
1: yeah that's why we always ask that. as people come up with really awesome ideas um they're like oh i really love my notebook i really love this specific yeah. type of pen i really love yeah. you know or like a software or an art medium Always interesting. interested yeah it's I love fun to hear
3: pen. what people think of first
1: your brain i love it what is something you have been inspired by like oh. recently or something that really stuck out to you
2: um, So this is interesting. So recently, <laughs> we're talking to our we- wedding uh, caterer. And he's so creative with his menu that he designs that I'm like, wow, I've never even thought about these three ingredients put together. And for example, like, because we're doing a Hong Kong inspired uh, menu for my wedding. And I'm like, oh. cool, just gonna be better than Penn Express. Don't really know what to ex- you know, expect. Mm. And he kept asking us, like, oh, what's your favorite color? What's your, you know, uh favorite ingredients? And we're just tossing out these answers. Don't know where, you know, he was going with that. And then he was like, what if we do a Cantonese tomato pie? I'm like, I'm sorry, what are you saying? First of all, I don't know how Cantonese tomato pie really, you know, is a thing. But sure, <laughs> show me how it works. <laughs> and so I, I I seriously was blown away. And it's so interesting. It, You know, cooking is something we do every day. But seeing how somebody actually puts so much brain power into it and coming up with something that is so unexpected. I was like, wow, there's a whole world out there.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I was very inspired by that. Yeah. Yeah. Food inspires me mostly because I like to eat it. But yeah, But also too. because I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see someone really masterfully put together food. Yeah. I mean, the like, caterer,
2: they do it for you. a living, for a reason. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like,
3: okay, you do you, I, I pay you, and you do your thing.
1: And if it's you can cool, make perfect. food look
3: beautiful, it just tastes so much better. Yeah, I mean, their cool. makes a
2: difference. There's a reason why Blue Apron and Hello Fresh they're everywhere. Because, you know, time me yeah. up. Yeah.
1: I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah, I just want sure. it to be beautiful. I just want to yeah. eat. Yep, that's awesome. Okay, what is your favorite place? Like
2: any place, just in, a place in general. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I have two places that, I, that come to mind. Okay, brace for impact. This is so weird to hear. <laughs> Immediately, I I really just thought about my bathroom. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I sometimes just love having me time. I'm not talking about like using the bathroom, but I'm. <laughs> Talking about, like, just when I'm getting ready or just, like, after shower, after a bath, I just love Mm. extending my time in the bathroom. And sometimes, you know, that really is the place where you're by yourself and completely undisturbed, right? Nobody would be like, hey, can I come hang out with you in there? (laughs) You're just kind of just taking your time and doing whatever you want to do. And sometimes I'm just in there, like, sitting on the edge of my bathtub, like, on my phone or just do nothing in there. I I don't know. That tends to be Mm -hmm. the place in my old apartment in my current house i just spend a lot of time thinking there but second place is um florence italy love that place oh. yeah
3: you oh, not see is. the bathroom
2: are coming did you
3: <laughs> no but as you were talking i was like yes i love
2: yeah. i love
3: like that me time that
2: yeah. at
3: home spa take a yeah. bath relax that's a great answer
1: i know i yeah. laughed when you were like you're in the bathroom and then, you know, no one wants to come be in there with you. And I'm like, well. <laughs>
3: oh yeah,
1: you have kids. Three kids. Fingers <laughs> under the door. Oh yeah, they're
2: just like, my cats do that. My cats used to <laughs> stick their pulse <laughs> under the door.
1: Like, but... Hello. Yeah. Why yep. am I not there?
2: Well, I, I'll tell you one time in my old apartment, there was big enough, a, uh, have, maybe half have an inch or a big enough gap that one of my cats, he was smaller. He would try to squeeze through under the oh door. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah, he <laughs> could not let
2: me be alone. Stick his but, head
1: under there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the beauty is that we can lock the doors. Yes. yes. And when Those we're in there we say, please don't bother us, I'm locking yes. the door. <laughs> my You can't Me time. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Poetic. I love it. Thank you. Love <laughs> it. Poetic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll just, like, get going then on all these really awesome questions you have. So, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you mind just telling us who you are, what you do, where you work, anything? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, the nutshell version of my life is uh, I grew up in Hong Kong, and I've been in Utah for, like, the past <laughs> 12 years. Sounds crazy. Um, so, yeah, I never thought that I would end up in Utah, and I just kind of, you know, started going to school in Utah and that's why I met Steph and studied graphic design and after that I just kept moving more and more north and I kind of went from I don't know I really started on kind of the other side of art, where I was really into oil painting and I started as a landscape painting major and slowly I fell in love with design and after that I ended up at a you know paper product design company and after that did web design and then product design now I'm doing UX but it's I, I feel like the entrance into UX is kind of all over the place nowadays where some people do boot camp, some people do you know traditional background from graphic design to go into it or yeah. completely unrelated fields and I feel pretty lucky that I am where I am because I just kind of figure out oh okay I really love spreadsheet I really love system stuff and this is a place where i can exercise that part of my brain and and also as you know i don't know as an immigrant i'm also really grateful that i'm where i am now at the house have three cats and a husband <laughs> and i feel like i'm very okay dying in utah that's my plan i guess
3: cool yeah
2: and i uh, i don't know if you guys caught that but three cats the best I love, love, love my cats.
3: That's awesome. What are their names?
2: Nori, Goma, and Mango. So it's kind of Cute. funny where I, I brought in my two cats, uh, Nori and Goma, from my side of the household, and then my husband had uh, has Mango, and then we kind of combined, and then all three of them happen to have food names. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> yeah. perfect. Uh, currently, we're trying to debate if we should get two more cats or one dog, but... I'm leaning towards, I think four sounds crazy, five sounds great. don't <laughs> know. No. Becoming that crazy cat lady, but
0: <laughs> that's what I want okay. to become.
3: Yeah. Either
2: it one puppy like or two cats.
3: House.
1: Oh, oh yeah. that's so cute. So where do you currently work and what's your position? So right now
2: I'm uh, the director of user experience at uh, Arivo Acceptance. It's kind of interesting. Never thought I would go into, you know, this industry. Um, I started there not that long ago, uh, just, you know, this year it's a prime auto lending. So right now I'm mostly working on the internal uh software product that helps, you know, to support the business. And yeah, it sounds really boring on paper, but I really enjoy having all these kind of <laughs> chaos where I get to be creative of how to solve problems. And I feel like that's kind of cheesy to say, (laughs) but that is where I really thrive. I think it really pushes you to think of ways to, you know, balance all different factors and come up with a solution. But yeah, it's kind of nice to just have enough chaos and you get to, you know, be creative in that zone. And then it's never boring. That's the nice thing even though on paper it sounds boring, because I mean, some people love, I don't know, some people love making things that are more fulfilling, you know, in a shorter time. But I feel like the stuff that I'm doing right now, I'm not going to see the end results for another <laughs> month or maybe year, because I, I don't know, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. Um because uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I really feel like no, when I work on software products, like right out the gate, especially for internal products, it's not going to be cool and like everything you want it to be. And we know we're committing to this, you know, oh, maybe in three years, this is go- going to be where we want it to be. So right now it's kind of like, okay, it's all chaos and doesn't sound fun, but it can be draining, but it's yeah, such an investment that I'm like, okay. We'll put everything we have in it, you know, in this thing that we committed to and see where it goes.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I loved it. You were looking, like, way into the future. And I think that's so unique because, if I remember correctly, I had a conversation one time where Mm -hmm. we talked about designers are the Mm -hmm. ones who, like, push society forward Mm -hmm. and how we can see, like, how it could be and Mm -hmm. how it probably should be. But everyone else around us is, like, no this is fine (laughs) or they're like no that's impossible we can't do that yeah and so but it's the designers and it's that aspect of design that kind of pushes you forward where you are looking forward to be this is what how it needs to be or what I want it to be how can we move where we are now to eventually get to that place
2: yeah and I think this is where sometimes the job kind of gets difficult because it's not difficult when you have to come with a solution but it's kind of convincing other people on your team or around you to kind of be on this journey and be like well there's a lot more we can do it while other people like you said are doubting that it can be more than what they see right now and how do you convince the rest of the team and and commit to the same vision or even show them the vision and show them what you know we can do you know and I feel like that really is half of the job I don't know but yeah that that part sometimes can be really fun where everyone's like Oh yeah, you're right. Like we can do more. And then everyone kind of brings their own, you know, vision and add to it too. Once they see that we don't have to stop where we are. And that's actually probably one of the most (laughs) exciting parts of the process when everyone, you know, buys in and be like, yeah, let me bring my piece too.
1: And it's really cool. Like you mentioned that, you know, half of your job is convincing other people (laughs) to kind of come on board with you. And that's a good, I mean, that's a, that's a leader, right? So you can have a leader, someone who's leading. But the movement won't gain any traction unless you can have other people follow mm-hmm. you. And there's this yep. concept of if a guy stands up in the middle of a concert and starts dancing, no one else is dancing, everyone around them is going to look at him and be like, Weirdo. What, are, what is this guy doing? But as soon as right. like one other person joins him or two people join him, yeah. then people are like, Oh, this it is okay. a thing. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's go for it. And then yeah. that's when you get everyone to join. And, yeah. And, yeah. So, and yeah, I love that it that's sturdy. it's it is such an important part of your job. And then you also have to convince people yes. who don't necessarily have that same vision or the ability to have that same vision with what you're working on.
2: Yeah. And sometimes yeah. during that process to get, like, buy-ins from other people, too, I really think that because I think us as, you know, designers, we want to – kind of get the concept kind of really polished up and be like, see how, you know, beautiful this can be, how, you know, complete this can be. Mm-hmm. But in my experience is when I bring people later in their process, like that's when they're like, well, I don't agree with the end result, even though the idea itself of breaking that boundary can be really beautiful, but getting buy-ins early and having people to join in that process, while the concept might not be 100% done or polished, like I think it's a more successful experience, and not a lot easier to get, you know, people to buy in on the idea instead of how I have myself in the silo, you know, completing that vision and how I would execute it. And mm-hmm. like I mentioned a second ago, is if everything is already done, how can I, you know, leave room for other people to participate and bring their own piece to, you know, fulfill that vision together too? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I really believe in too is bring people in as early as possible. And I also think that as designers, we probably tend to think that when something is to us, it might be, oh, it's only 30% done. And to other people, it's like, oh, that's 130% done.
1: You know what (laughs) I mean? We know that there's more. We know that we can add more and, you know, it's not complete. When it doesn't know, they're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: They don't know what they're
2: missing. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of times where, where other people, you know, start that vision, and then I am participating in it, too, so I, I, I love that right. collaboration, because, I mean, right now, I'm working in an office with a team of people, and we kind of have to do that, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we little talk battle, right? Like you were saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a step back just for a second. For anyone yeah. listening who doesn't necessarily know, like, what UX is, like, what the what you oversee, how you do your job. Can we kind of talk about that for a sec?
3: Yeah. So
2: this is a good, great question and also good (laughs) timing because at my company, kind of the same question is kind of always looming in the background where people don't really know what it is. People right off the bat, it's like, oh, what's the tangible outcome? Oh, okay, it's the interface. You guys just do interface, right? And then oftentimes it's like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, let me tell you, right? Um. So UX... Is user experience, and when we we talk about designing a user experience, it really uh, spills into all the other areas that sometimes I don't have direct ownership over, which is okay, and that goes back to, you know, getting uh, that collaboration with other people, but when we talk about designing an experience, it sounds so nebulous, but... It can go from let's make sure the language that we use in the software is actually, you know, hitting a lower reading grade than what we, you know, myself, you know, would need. Or, you know, just making sure that the experience is accessible by everybody and that goes beyond just the interface, right? And oftentimes we have conversations uh, with engineers about, hey, how can we make this script you know, and put in the logic so that we automate certain parts of the software so that users don't have to um, manually do a lot of the work that right now they have to do in, you know, their day-to-day process. And that also is part of the experience, right? Because it really doesn't matter how beautiful the interface is. If the software itself doesn't do the task that you as a user wants to do, then what good does it do? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And and sometimes, I I don't know, I'm gonna go into this five-hour long (laughs) thinking uh, train. Um, but to, to stop myself a little bit too, um, I think the one example or analogy that I have is, (laughs) this kills me. So remember a long time ago when Heinz, you know, had the normal ketchup bottle. And then once they put the, the squeeze bottle opening on the bottom, (laughs) all of a sudden, everything is like, oh my goodness, this is so much better. But they literally just put the cap on the bottom, right? Like the bottle design, you know, changed that way. And all of a sudden it's a lot more usable, and when we talk about making something usable, I think it really is the core of user experience. It's not making sure the software is functional because that part, I have QA, I have engineers to, making, to make sure that it is, you know, the buttons are working and the um, backend connections, everything is working, right? But for me, making something usable between the computer, which is the software, and a person, um, making it usable is really the mission. So, yeah. And maybe that was still a little nebulous in how
3: I just described it, but I... I, I think oh, that that's helps. a great description. I think <laughs> UX design is something people don't—they don't recognize because you don't think about it unless it's bad. Right. But hearing yeah. you describe like the ketchup bottle—that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of something that's just so well designed that makes yeah. this ketchup so much yeah. more usable. And okay. it is so fun to watch people who are good at UX design. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's just so much that goes into it. And it's so yeah. fascinating how you study user patterns and where yeah. people's eyes are going on the screen yeah. and yep. how you want a button to be close to their thumb. And it's so fascinating to me. <laughs> I love it.
2: Yeah. Sometimes it feels a little crazy. Because I also think that UX design is where, especially right now, I'm gonna place where I work with a lot of people that don't know much about um, user experience design. They know they need something, but they don't know what it is. And helping to define how that works and how that gets implemented as a function in my company, that also is very exciting to me. And just, yeah, telling people uh, machine working is one thing, but making sure it (laughs) works for people, that's another thing, right? Um, And within that too, I also love (laughs) the... Okay, this is another example I think about that I I love. <laughs> so once in a while at late at night, I love uh, just having a little snack and I, my go-to is like this garbage spicy ramen. And one of them, some of the listeners might know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> <this> <laughs> Korean brand ramen. And I opened the package the first time when I had it, the ramen thing itself is round. It's not square, right? It fits so perfectly into the pot. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, I don't other ramen people make their ramen like this? Yeah. Like when you talk in a pan, why is it square? The pan is round. And yeah. there also was a moment where I was like, this is such a simple decision that changes, you know, my experience in literally just, I'm talking about cooking ramen here. But in, in user experience design, I do think that sometimes those small things that people don't think about or your team is not even thinking about and you bring up how we can make something so much better. And that's where it's also we're rewarding too.
3: Yes. So, yeah. Is there anything more satisfying than things like that where the ramen <laughs> fits perfectly into the right? pan? Right. It's so satisfying. <laughs> it's just like, why have we been doing
2: it square? Why? Yes. I
1: love well, that. Thinking about the ketchup bottle. So we were in Scotland. This is like a kind of an unrelated story, but it is related. Mm. So we were in Scotland. We were at this Tex-Mex restaurant because we were like, that sounds really good. We haven't had it in a couple months. Um, we go in there and they had this hot sauce bottle and there's a little sticky note on the bottle just written by hand and it says, what is it? Bend me over and slap my bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Look at that. And he goes, this must be like a really hot sauce because they like labeled it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So he's sitting there and he's like, he's like trying to like, it won't come out of the bottle. You know, it's this old bottle. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I just, He's like, is it, like, broken? Like, how do I get this out? And I'm like, well, why don't you turn it over and slap the bottom? And slap its bottom. <laughs> and she goes like, no, that's the name of it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that's how you use it. And so he turns it over and slaps it, and it just, like, you know, comes out. Oh, my goodness. And, that's so cute. Um, just thinking about that. I mean, <laughs> it's a funny story. But also it's like when you're talking about UX, the, really the only thing that I find people don't really, really understand is like as much as you want the user to use it correctly, you want them to not use it incorrectly. You want to like, make it hard to use it. To use badly. And like one of the things I really love is like preventing that error from being an error yeah. in the first place. So you, oh, yeah. you yes. build it and design it in a way where that won't even come up. And if it does, you like design it especially in a way that they won't be able yeah. to use it wrong. Exactly, yeah.
2: and that actually fits into um there's I treat it almost like Bible, so um people in the u s field they everyone knows the name Jacob Nielsen, so he wrote uh this ten heuristics of what people should follow what you just mentioned is actually one of the you know ten heuristics I don't know if you're aware of the ten. Heuristics. It's actually really it be, cool. Yeah, I, I think it's super cool because it talks about like like exactly what you said. How do we prevent people from making errors, and how do we warn them and guide them to where we know they want to be <laughs> without mm-hmm. bending their arm and be like, no, 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 no come this way, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I really love that kind of conversation at work too because, again, I work on internal products, so it's not like we're out there trying to get market share and you know, unlike consumer facing products that we have to make sure people subscribe or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. But I I, I think it's a kind of a different game and that actually is a huge part of our job to make sure internal products, how can we make sure people can do their job quickly, right. That really is the core of it. And a lot of times, yeah. Helping people to not end up in the wrong place is a big topic.
1: Yeah. And I know
2: right now I'm talking about UX in a very, probably oversimplifying all the different things that we have to do because, Hopefully the listeners that know UX or working in UX are not shaking their desk and be like, there's so much more.
1: But there is so much I more. Think, That's just yeah, yeah. so complex. And it, it is. Yeah, I mean, along I those it. same lines, if there is anything that you would like to tell someone who would be interested in UX, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what would you kind of tell them the reasons why they should go into it? Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's so complex and I think people look at it and they might be a little intimidated. Yeah.
2: I will say UX also looks so different from, uh, company to company too. Cause I mean, nowadays there are people that are doing their job title might be UI UX, but they're doing, I'm not kidding you. I know, I used to know a friend who was a UI, UI UX designer at their company, but most of the stuff that they were doing was like infographics. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute. Okay. And then I, you know, on my team, I have designers that are doing completely different things, but they have the same title as, you know, that my, my other friend and, I would say it looks really different again from company to company and but don't <laughs> don't be discouraged with a lot of the ambiguity because sometimes a lot of companies might not know what they need and they might need someone to just kind of hold their hand a little bit because they know kind of what they need and if you can come in and kind of let them know what you can offer like that's I think is very important too because we, as designers, oftentimes we go into our workplace, if, if especially 9-to-5 environment. Um, we end up working with maybe zero designers. Maybe we're the only one designer. Maybe we're the only one UX person in this space. And Because, mm-hmm. I mean, back in school, that was not what I was expecting, right? It's like, oh, right. of course everyone's going to know what's better, what's not better. And yeah. coming out of it, that was the first thing that I learned at a workplace <laughs> is that, no, nobody cares about what <laughs> I'm talking about. But when they want. About it, I need to be able to explain to them why, you know, why do I have to go through all these steps that, you know, I go through. And, um for example, like, I just had a meeting yesterday kind of walking through the rest of my team like, hey, um, we are doing user story mapping with, you know, the uh, product manager. We're doing cart sorting for this reason, for that reason, kind of giving them an idea of like, oh, okay, you're, you guys are not just going straight to the computer uh to start designing the interface. Oh, that's why, because you need to understand what your users really need and understand their motivation and design, you know, the information architecture before you even go in to decide what needs to happen in the interface and understanding back end what the technical requirements are, all these steps, right? So, yeah, it can be very, very complex, but also the one exciting thing about UX is that you are making decisions outside of sometimes the design so that you can make your process work in, in, in your uh, project, whatever you're working on or uh, in your workplace. And that also is very challenging because there's really not one, here's the route, just follow step one, mm-hmm. two, and three. A lot of the times, like you have to really look at your project and the needs and you decide what tools you use. And that part, again, can be very ambiguous <laughs> and, it can be intimidating, but I would say if you're studying UX and want to, you know, or ready to graduate and get into the field, like you probably know more than you need to <laughs> already <laughs> to actually implement and, and uh, execute.
1: Cool. So yeah, um, kind of along those same lines, when you are, like, let's say you are the only designer, right? Or you're the only one mm-hmm. who you think, you know, the answer, or you know that this is right. Do you ever have moments of like, imposter syndrome or Ah. we're like you don't feel like you know what you're doing (laughs) but like you have to do your job anyway is is this that pop
2: up for you (laughs) this is a great question i can answer this question two ways which first of all i think everybody has that and nobody's talking about it especially like i would talk about imposter syndrome like with my own friends but never like in a workplace with my coworkers because none of us Mm -hmm. want other people to know oh you don't know what you're doing, or you know, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> so, first of all, I just want to say, like, nobody knows what they're doing sometimes. And,
3: <laughs> and I think, so, I think every single person we've interviewed has said those words. Oh, really? Yeah. Nobody see, we're all ending. <laughs> we all know.
2: <laughs> And this is so funny to me because I literally had this conversation with one of my work friends. We work together, but we, we, we talk about how we're doing at work. So it's all cool. And then he, he actually asked me like, do you, do you feel that? Do you feel imposter syndrome? And I feel like I straight up told him, no, not right now. Uh, because it's not so much that I'm the only one who feels like I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, but it, Nobody knows what we're doing and everyone just kind of tried to help each other <laughs> as much as we can. So we bring what we have to the table because nobody out of this chaos that we're in, nobody knows what's going to happen in three months. So we just do our best. So I, I think through that lens, I was like, yeah, we all have it. So really nobody knows what's going on.
1: <laughs> but,
2: yeah. I, I Again, I still think that we know more than what we need to know. It just depends on how we execute and really materialize, what we know if that makes sense Uh, yeah oh yeah oh yeah i I think it's interesting and that's why i think ux is challenging especially when i first started doing it because i'm like oh there are all these tools and methodologies and Mm -hmm. stuff and um it just depends what tools i want to use to validate what i want to propose and i think that's actually another another thing i want to bring up too sometimes when people ask me like how do users respond to this or why do we design it this way? Why is that right? And sometimes I tell them, I don't know, but we can test to find out, (laughs) and which is a great, in my opinion, a great answer rather than making things up. And sometimes really, if you don't have to answer, I think it's okay to say you don't know, but you know the tools to figure it out. I think that's a much better answer than trying to talk my way through the you know that the five minutes i'm standing there with that person (laughs) right um i i do think that actually is something i really believe in is just it's okay that you don't know and as long as you know what you don't know i think people on your team can trust you more because they know you're not making things up and i i also think that's kind of the essence of testing and research is we all don't have the answers until we test or until we do the research within a ux process and that's why Sometimes I'm off the computer more than I'm on the computer, right? Because we have questions that we have to answer before we get in there. Yeah. And it's that solution. willingness
1: to learn, too. Yeah. It's yeah. that. Was it the growth mindset versus fixed mindset? Like, if yeah. you think you know all the answers or that you should know all the answers, you're closing yourself off to all kinds of growth and exactly. being able to really do it right. Um, yeah. And just that, having that humility to just say, no, actually, but I do know how we can figure it out. Exactly.
3: That's a powerful place to be in. Having the confidence to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. I do know some things we can do to figure it out.
2: And I think in a workplace too, that conversation is very important because I don't want to work in a black box where nobody else understands what I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think when that conversation, you know, happens when you say you don't know, but here's how we can figure it out. That other person is also learning about, oh, this is how UX works. This is the point of UX is that we validate, right? Because it's really a lot less powerful when you just, after the fact, tell people, this is, you know, how I've done it. Versus at that moment, you're like, okay, let me get back to you and I can show you how, you know, I validate and show show them a little bit of that process. And that goes back to the beginning when we talked, you know, we were talking about getting buy-ins from people and including them in the process. And I think that is, you know, the process, right? Someone asks a question, we go validate and we might have to iterate, you know, based on the results and rinse and repeat, right? So that's kind of the (laughs) never ending development that we get ourselves into.
1: Yeah, and being Being that that open to trying, to doing all of the things. Um, Mm -hmm. that openness and then it also allows anyone who also has questions then feels comfortable to ask the questions because yeah yeah I wouldn't want to be on a team where I felt like everyone else knew the answers and I would feel really you know out of place and um, not living up to my position or whatever if I had to ask all the questions and no one else was Mm -hmm. but I, yeah. I, I can imagine that we create an environment of everyone is growing and learning together yeah. and kind of opens that up. And yeah, I think that was really cool. Yeah. How did you gain your experience and knowledge in UX before you jumped into this position? It's such a so difficult you went, question. You, did, right? you worked at, was it Stampin' Up! or American Crafts? It was American you... Crafts. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, I didn't know
1: <laughs> at all. Like. <laughs>
2: This is such a difficult question because I really sometimes I think about it. I'm like, am, am I am I living up to my title? Am I living up to where I think a director should be able to deliver, right? And mm-hmm. that also, you know, is when you can spiral down and say, oh no, I I am not worthy. Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. And this is still kind of new to me too. And because I, there are people if you Google my name or look me up on LinkedIn, you can see that I don't have 10 years of experience in UX, right? And Mm -hmm. But one thing I do know is (laughs) I am, well, I'm the best person right now for this task that I'm, you know, asked to do, and that brings me comfort. (laughs) And anyways, so, ah, man, this is such a difficult question to answer because I don't know if, my answer is translatable to other people, but I think
1: mm-hmm.
2: at the beginning, I really didn't see it as, oh, I am, you know, going into UX. I'm going into software product design. I'm going into, you know, whatever the next thing is that I'm heading into because nobody's handing me the guidebook and say, oh, you passed this exam. You passed this quiz. Therefore, you're qualified to now go into it, right? No one's doing that. Mm-hmm. That's why the ambiguity is always going to be there. And But I do think that, like Seth, you pointed out, yeah, I would do Paper product design, how does that get me to doing software? It's a very different world, right? But I think as much as those jobs are very different, there's a lot within that I think are very translatable because what I learned from that job is really, for example, designing a paper product. When we sent any design to the vendor to get it made, let it be paper pad or whatever it is, I remember doing spec sheet, spelling out, exactly, you know, how big this is supposed to be, 2.15 inches long and whatever it is, and use this exact material and finding all these specs to make sure the end result is what you want. And when you get the sample and you kind of test it out and let other people test it out and and, and it doesn't work or why it works, that whole process is very similar to kind of what I have to do now, right? Because it's telling the engineers exactly how they should respond and also thinking, like, is this the right decision and how do we test it out? And when we do touch it and get to, you know, play around with it, how do we use that time to maximize, you know, the data that we get and we know how to iterate upon, you know, this prototype. And so those, you know, those two different jobs give me sometimes overlapping kind of like flashback of like, oh, wait, I did this thing process, but just in a different medium. Am I am I even answering the question anymore? Yes, I of kind
3: course. of forgot.
2: Anyways, so I do think that there are things that are very translatable and just even the execution is very different. I think the it's kind of cheesy when people say like, oh, when you know the design principles, then you can do anything you want. But I do think it's really true, even though the way that we learn how to do that might be very different than how we expect that to look like. So yeah, that's kind of where my mind goes. I do also want to say that like sometimes when you're doing one job, you kind of realize you like doing certain parts of it better or you enjoy, you know, this part while no one else really cares about it. Cause I, myself, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm qualified to say this, but again, no one's here to tell us what I'm qualified or not qualified for. Right. <laughs> I, I love spreadsheets. I love having process and system in place <laughs> and I think I slowly kind of realized that as I was, you know, doing different jobs and doing different tasks within those jobs. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is prob- probably good skills to have going into software, right? And But I didn't have that realization until I'm doing it. And then I'm like, oh, they need me to do this thing that I already enjoy doing. Oh, okay, I've been doing this thing for a while. I just didn't realize this fits nicely in
1: this, you know, current environment if that makes sense. Absolutely. I ask that because if there's someone listening who says, I would really like to try that. Yeah.
3: Where do I begin?
1: Yeah. Like where, do, where does one start on that journey? And I, I think you answered it really well. Do it because no one else knows what they're doing. No, you just try it.
3: <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I know that answer
2: is very like mm-hmm. ambiguous too. It's like, what does that mean to figure it out? But I do think that <laughs> it's So case by case and, but you just have to respect your knowledge and just go exercise what you know, and you'll find out what you do best through that process. I think,
3: I think a lot of the times too, we actually do know what the steps are deep down, but we kind of are looking for that validation or that permission, Mm. um, to like pursue the next step. Like, you, sometimes you just need the confidence. You need somebody to tell you, just figure it out. You can do mm. it. And then you can take the next step. Lauren, what you just said hits me so hard because, Steph, you
2: remember Jeff. So that was actually one thing that he told me that for some reason just stuck with me from college.
3: <laughs>
2: one time, I, I don't remember what I was asking him. So I was either junior or senior year in, in college. And I was in a conversation with Jeff, our professor at the time, and I was like, can I do it this way? And then he straight up just told me, why are you asking me permission to do it? Just just go do it. Why are you always <laughs> asking me if you should do it this way? And I don't know why that that really stuck with me because I was like, yeah, why am I asking for permission to to do this? And no one is telling me that I cannot, but why do I even feel like I need to ask for permission to exercise that?
3: yeah yeah that hit me hard that's totally me every i feel like every email i send my husband i'm like this is good right i i'm pretty sure it's good i just i just need somebody (laughs) to validate me at all times i do that
2: too (laughs) i do that all the time i think for me (laughs) too (laughs) especially i'm like am i grammatically you know correct in all my (laughs) messages and emails But being an immigrant, sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to come off very professional and successful. So I need to make sure I speak correctly. Anyways. So yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. And yeah, that, that, that mentality of needing permission is weird. Why do we do it?
3: I know. And even sometimes yeah. he'll be like, no, you shouldn't say it that way. I'm like, no, I'm right. I'm going to send it. <laughs> But the, the, the way I, I see, see that too Johnson off someone, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, and and sometimes, oh, okay, you guys you guys would agree with this, right? So we as designers, we don't want to design for ourselves, and that mentality kind of applies in everything we do, and even yeah. when I'm at work in u x that's the point of u x too is that you make sure you don't design for yourself, you make sure that you test and you gather data to support the solution that is not just for two people out of. A thousand that you're trying to serve, right? And to me, when I <laughs> do that thing where I'm like, Hey, can you look through my email real like, quick or, <laughs> you know, turn on Grammarly, whatever, and to validate it, that it's just you, me, everyone trying to make sure that what we're doing is not just for ourselves, but also, you know, interpreted the same way as other people accessible in the same way. So keep doing yes, it
1: <laughs> communicating, not yes. to be understood, but to not be misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, don't we'll just do want that. to get your point across. You want to make sure that they can't look at you and get the wrong thing. Exactly. And right. It's complex. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Grammarly for doing that for me sometimes. Grammarly. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: sponsored. Episode, sponsored by.
1: <laughs> get that sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have just a couple more questions. Um, okay. So what does the average day look like for you? Oh. Oh.
2: <laughs> That's my immediate response. <laughs> Man, uh, <laughs> let me start, start with this. Sometimes I plan it out and sometimes I don't even plan it out because I just know the day is full of unexpected changes, especially we're trying to launch next week. And this is where I'm <laughs> really down to the wire. And this is where I'm expecting the unexpected. Basically, I have to carve out, I, I don't know, 30% of my day is just going to be unexpected things that will happen. Um And right now where I am, the team is still small and just me and one other designer. And we're hoping that we'll expand after, you know, launch. But because I still have to participate in the actual creation of the thing, it's not Pushy. I'm not sitting there directing people. I, I don't want want to ever get there, to be honest. I want to still have a hands on what we're doing. And so, yeah. And 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 I start my day by going to my stand up, and then after that, I try to block out, you know, whatever time I have the rest of that day. If there's no last minute meeting, you know, get scheduled. And usually, last minute means there's a fire <laughs> somewhere. Anyways, so. Usually it ends up being 50% meeting and 30% time working on things. But even within a time I'm working on things, it's not really just interface, but sometimes it's like, okay, let's talk about training agenda. What do we want to do there? Or doing analysis of, oh, okay, we just did research. Let's look at the data. Or sometimes it's designing. So I would say the head down working on things time is really 20 of the day, (laughs) which I want more of. And then the rest is just kind of like whatever happens because just got to plan for the unexpected
1: fire. (laughs) So do you, are you working from home right now or do you work in the office?
2: I work in the office and I think ideally I would love a hybrid situation, but Mm -hmm. right now it's just a lot easier to deal with. Hey, this thing doesn't work. What do we do? And immediately we talk about it in person But yeah, full time in office right now, but not complaining. I, I like it because I can leave
3: work at work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's nice.
1: Yeah. Now that you are where you are, where do you kind of see (laughs) yourself? Which is where? Exactly. (laughs) Like you're here, right? You're here. Um, you see yourself in the future kind of staying in the same arena or maybe expanding? I know you said you wanted to kind of move up when you get in, like, more people on your team.
2: Man, wake up every day and think about that. (laughs) I was not trying to be sassy when I asked, like, which is where? Because I still kind of wonder, like, where am I? (laughs) What are we doing here? I think I want to stay in some sort of, you know, again, I like dealing with designed and spreadsheet and, you know, designing system and establishing process. Um, I like that I get to work with other designers and kind of invest in them and see how, you know, I, I, like, for example, right now at work, I plan out, you know, our sprint and this is what we're doing. This is the goal. This is how we're going to test and have, you know, my designer on the team just go do it and seeing how this person kind of does it in a different way, or sometimes just, witnessing that growth to me is very rewarding and i want to you know make sure i spend time there too to invest in other people so that's it that sounds really vague but whatever way that happens i would love to spend more energy there and who knows that can be you know when i'm 50 maybe i'll go teach maybe i don't know There are so many ways to invest in other people nowadays i think so that is definitely something on my mind but i think I also want to answer like yeah, do I want to move up? Do I want to, how or even how I want to move up that to me, I've been thinking about that too. And I am at a point in my career where I realize that I really like helping to establish process and system mm-hmm. and put the right people in, you know, where they want to be or where they should be to maximize what they can do or what they want to do. That to me is also really rewarding. So let that be moving up the corporate ladder or however that happens. I just kind of take it one step at a time, but the two directions that I just mentioned are things that I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, uh, but ideally I want to retire tomorrow and we just don't have wait, wait. to
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: worry about anything. Um, that's the secret dream that will <laughs> probably never
1: happen, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's everyone's dream. I mean, that's my dream, right? If we could wake up tomorrow on a beach and just be able to, you know, hang out and surf and, whatever with my family like that that's actually my dream right (laughs) that is where I want my future to go but you know realistically this is nice too you gotta have realistic dreams too yeah if you could look at yourself you know five years ago what is a piece of advice that you wish someone would have told you or that you wish you could tell yourself Uh,
2: five years ago okay I am not kidding you I have to look at my own LinkedIn to kind of Remember where I was five years ago.
1: Well, I mean, just like in general, it doesn't have to be specifically five years ago, but like, is there a piece of advice you wish you would have learned earlier or something that you could have realized? Yeah.
2: So that was when I was kind of switching career and dove back doing paper product. Wow. I was so young five years ago.
3: (laughs) It's so crazy (laughs) to
2: say. But I, so what advice I would give kind of telling myself, right? Was that the question? Yeah. I think it's the same thing that I would tell myself today where I'm like stressing over everything. And I, I I know I'm better now at handling my own, you know, like, oh, I have to worry about this thing. I have to worry about that thing. I have to worry about 500 things and not be able to prioritize my own life or work mm-hmm. my own everything. Yeah, I would tell myself like, yeah, not everything is going to be perfect or not everything's going to get done, but what do I care most that must get done? or must worry about. And I think a lot of you my, you know, you two or listeners, whoever, uh, probably relate to this is (laughs) want to make sure everything is done right, make sure you get to everything, but there's only so many hours in the day and so much energy you can spend on everything, right? And I still want to make everything the way I want it to look or want it to uh, work, but it's never going to happen. and. I wish I told myself, like, hey, just pick three things, you know, on the list and worry about just those three things and and move on. And learning how to move on from dressing yourself out is, is very important. I kind of wish I did more of that and kind of, you know, just getting out of the, the, the weeds and come out and look at the big picture because now I still have to do that, but I'm much faster at catching myself worrying about everything and just say, Hey, yeah. What are really, really important things I really need to worry about. And the rest of it, either I can ask other people to worry about it with me and take some of the workload off or just let it go. Cause does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Anyways, that was also yeah. very big. I feel like, but yeah, just worry no. less.
1: Yeah. Worry less. No, that is great because I feel like even it, any type of designer, any type of artist, you're going to focus on the minutiae because that's what we're good at, right? Yeah. We're good at the details. We're good at watching out for things and oh, yeah. just having that, I guess, that foresight to realize that, you know, I might not have to focus on all this stuff right now. Like, that's powerful. Curse. That's really
2: important. <laughs> yeah. But it's such a curse when you see all the problems because <laughs> then you're <laughs> like, oh, okay, let me fix everything. Let me fix everything because I see mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's ours and a blessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's important for anyone. So great. Great advice. <laughs> well, Eva, where can we find you online? Like what's your podcast name, website, oh, anything you want to share?
2: So my podcast is called um <laughs> Pro- Product by Design. It's this is my first time talking about my podcast on another podcast. So I'm like getting, sweat- getting <laughs> sweaty, getting a little sweaty. So, yeah, uh, it's me and my co-host, uh, Kyle Evans. We talk about, you know, just our whatever we want to talk about within software product design or UX or product management. So if you're interested, go check it out. I'm on Twitter uh, at Yanchaochao, I think, <laughs> Y-A-N-C-H-A-U-C-H-A-U. And my website is evachow.com. And I Don't know why you will go on my website because there's nothing too exciting there, but um, (laughs) say (laughs) hi if you want to, um, Twitter, wherever, but that's it.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much much for coming on. Isn't Eva awesome? I was really excited to finally have a UX designer on the podcast and it made it so much more fun that Steph knew her from college. I don't know if you guys could tell, but I did have a cold while recording this episode. If you're wondering why my voice sounded so different. Anyway, we had some shares on Instagram this week. Thank you guys so much. I let them expire, rookie move. So I can't read them, but I do know... That I liked one from Art by Michelle Marie because I reshared it to our stories. So, Michelle, if you're listening, DM me on Instagram at DesignBeatPodcast and we'll send you some goodies. Catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. If today's episode resonated with you, let us know by tagging us on Instagram. Maybe share a screenshot of the episode and, of course, write us a review, rate, and subscribe. We hope you feel uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. To stay up to date on all things Design Beat, you can visit us at designbeatpodcast.com and join our mailing list there. You can also follow us on Instagram at designbeatpodcast. See you there!